Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast with Brother Joe Rusiello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Now, here's your host. Hey folks, good morning. This is Brother Joe Rusiello, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Well, in just a few moments, we're going to get into our study. We're going to be studying the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians. We started this, uh, I think, three weeks ago. Uh, We're doing a chapter by chapter for the most part. And uh, today we'll be getting into chapter number three of that fabulous book, uh, a book that was written to new babies in Christ, new babes in Christ, new converts to Christ. And the Apostle Paul's burden for those for those folks and uh, uh, to try to encourage them and to establish them in their faith. And we're going to get into that in just a little while. Uh, but before we do that, uh, why don't you stop by our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's swordofthespiritpodcast.com. And uh, when you get there, you can check out some of the content that we have. We're still expanding. We're still growing on it. Uh, we're not quite where we want to be with it just yet, but we're getting there. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, on the last page of the form of the uh, website, though, there's a contact form. So if uh, if you have a prayer request, if there's something on your mind or something on your heart you want to talk about, you want to share, uh, you know, feel free to email me if you want to. Uh, if you have any comments or if you want to say anything to me about what I'm teaching, you know, that's fine too. Uh, you just fill out that contact form and send it off, and I'll be sure to get it. Um, or if you don't want to use the contact form, you could use our our uh, email address, our direct email address, and I'll get that also. And that would be info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Sword of the Spirit pod, info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. All right. Um, also, um, I know we're on uh, several different platforms right now. Um, uh, you know, Spreaker, Spotify, um, Apple. And uh, we have a player on our homepage, on our website that you could listen in on also. Um, but where we got our start with this podcast has been on anchor.fm. And um, so I would encourage you to uh, just pay a visit to anchor.fm slash sword of the spirit podcast. And when you get there, um, if you want to be a part of this ministry, financially speaking, um, there, we, there's a little button on there that says listener support. Uh, I would encourage you that if the Holy Spirit's moving in you and you 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 want to contribute and you want to help out and uh, you want to be a part of this ministry, just click that button and uh, however the Lord leads you, let Him lead you. Um, we we would appreciate that. Uh, I'm not good at asking for money, so <laughs> maybe fumbling around getting to it. But um, you know, we do have to pay bills and we do have things. And right now, I'm paying for everything out of pocket, and it's uh, you know it can get expensive. But uh, if you feel so inclined, like I said, and the Holy Spirit's moving in you and, and uh, you know, he's kind of nagging you a little bit to help out, just click that link right there to listener support, and I would appreciate it. Um, let's see, uh, Facebook. We don't have a Facebook page. Uh, someone did email me about that. Uh, I think I've said it a few times already, though, that we don't have a Facebook page. We're looking at uh, other media, social media outlets and whatnot, but... We're still we're still thinking about uh, getting a Facebook page going, but in the meantime, uh, the pastor from my church has uh, given me the okay to post updates about the show on the church's uh, Facebook 
uh, group page, and you would find that on Facebook, and you look for uh, First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass, and you could uh, get some updates about the uh, the podcast uh, on that page. Um, uh, let's see, what else do I have here uh, before we get into the study? Um, this is this is important actually, and it's not something to take lightly. I have um, I have a friend of mine who lives back in New York. His name is David, and um, uh, I've known David. Oh, I want to say since I'm maybe eleven or twelve years old, and uh, David and I were, have, have been great friends all these years. And even though there might be days or times where we don't uh, periods of time that we don't really communicate with each other, whenever we do get in touch, it's like no time ever passed. And um, he's a good friend. Uh, he's a one-of-a-kind guy, and I really appreciate his friendship over all these years. And um, after I got saved, uh, you know, I went to speak to him about his soul. And, uh, you know, he rejected it, and uh, I spoke to him a few times after that. And uh, each time that I presented the gospel to him, he's rejected it. And um, But lately, the last week or two maybe uh, or so, the, the Holy Spirit's been kind of nudging me about him. And I think it's because of something my pastor said in one of the uh, one of the messages that he delivered. Uh, he had talked about, uh, you know, writing letters to family and to friends and, you know, putting gospel tracts in there and, you know, trying to get, uh, trying to get them to, to, to read those letters and read the gospel tracts and, and hopefully to get saved. And uh, I think that's kind of where the Holy Spirit started nudging me a little bit. And so I wanted to write to him, so I had emailed him and uh, asking for his home address, but he he didn't respond to that email. So uh, I didn't, you know, the Holy Spirit was nagging me about it. And I didn't want to let too much time pass. So I, what I wanted to say in the handwritten letter, I emailed it to him, and uh, I basically, you know, just gave him the gospel again. And uh, he got back to me uh, earlier, uh, well, uh, Sunday actually. Uh, so he got back to me on Sunday, and uh, basically he told me that um, you know my path to God is not his path to God, and that he believes in God, but not the same way I do. So basically he told me just to you know go pound sand, uh, which is a shame. Uh, but I did send him a link to the show. So um, hopefully David, if you're listening, you know David, you're you're you've been my friend for years. I love you, and uh, I really do hope that you reconsider, and uh, we could talk some more about this when you have when you have some time to, but, uh, it's very, very important. You see, um, 22, almost 22 years ago, just a few months, actually, it'll be 22 years that I got saved. It was 22 years ago that I sought after and surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he heard my cry and, and he did for me what Mary, what Muhammad, what, uh, Buddha and the, the pantheon of the Hindu gods couldn't do. In fact, he did for me what no other could do. He he saved my wretched soul from an eternity in a flaming, burning hell. Because, you know, the Bible says that neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Uh, where I failed him, and man, have I ever failed him. Have I ever failed him. Uh, but even though I failed him, he's always been faithful and he's always been just. And in areas where I had been faithful, he has been ever more abundantly faithful. He gave me the free gift of eternal life and an eternity in heaven. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving a wretched soul such as mine. You know, I look forward to that day where I can hold on to and rest at the feet of my Savior and look upon his face. And my friends, if you're listening to this and you're not saved, I just want to tell you that he's waiting to give that free gift to you also. We all come short of God's standard for perfect righteousness, every one of us. And some of us might be more moral than others, but as someone once said, you know, the best of men are still at best sinners. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. The only thing that can pay for sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So none of our good works, none of them, um, uh, baptism, going to church, giving money, none of it, nothing, none of that stuff can save. None of that can pay that debt. But you see, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he's provided life through Jesus Christ. He's the only, only way to heaven. Well, why is that? Well, it's because of what he did for us. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Lord Jesus Christ, he took our place. He's our substitute. He suffered for us. He became sin for us. And he took our sins in his own body. And all that he asks, all that he asks is that we repent. You know, we change our mind towards sin and Jesus Christ. And we believe and we call on the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, says Romans chapter 10, verse 13. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. My friends, listening to this, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, will you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ like I did 22 years ago? Will you accept the free gift that he has waiting for you and invite him into your life? I pray you do, and I pray that you do it today. I pray that you do it right now. The Apostle James warns us. He tells us, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. So my friends, my point is, salvation is extremely important. It's probably the most important thing important decision that you're going to have to make and it's not something you take lightly and my friends if you're not saved if you're listening to this in the sound under the sound of my voice and you're not saved right now you can get saved you can give your life to jesus christ just like i did all you have to do all you need to do is pray and say from your heart lord i'm a sinner Please forgive me, and please save me. That's all there is to it. And if you're truly sincere from your heart, God will save you. He will save you. Salvation is not baptism. Salvation is not having godparents. Salvation is not doing good works. None of that is salvation. Salvation is is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and that he shed his blood, his precious blood, his precious, sinless, perfect blood on Calvary's cross 
to pay your sin debt. That's all there is to it. And if you're not saved, you can be saved right now. And if you did pray, you did ask the Lord to save you, and you want to let us know, just shoot me an email. I've told you how already a few times. Go to the website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, last page, contact form. Email me, info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. I would love to hear it. Salvation is so important. It's not something that, it's not something you play with. And uh, you know, with that said, also I'd like to uh, pray uh, today for not only David, not only for uh, anyone who's under the hearing of my voice right now, uh, but I'd also like to pray for my mom, my sister, my granddaughter, my in-laws, all for salvation. All for salvation. They need it. They're not saved. And I'd also like to pray tonight for, um, for today, I'm sorry, uh, I'd like to pray for uh, for uh, our, one of the sisters in our church, uh, Bernice. Uh, she's going through some uh, some treatments for cancer. Uh, she's been fighting this for a while, and uh, you know she's uh, she's a strong lady. And I, I got to tell you that you know uh, whenever you see her at church, she's always got a smile on her face. She doesn't look down or glum or gloomy that she's going through this, and you know she's got a good Christian spirit about her. You know, so I'd like to keep her in prayer uh, for the treatments that she'll be going through this week. I also want to pray for her husband, Adam. Uh, Adam's a, a godly man, and uh, helping out raising the kids, working, doing everything he can for his wife. And uh, we just want to pray that God would impart to him some special grace as, he, uh, as, as he's taking care of his family. Uh, we also want to pray for Charles, uh, our pastor's uh, son, or one of his sons. Uh, he's going for some job interview this week, and we just want to pray that the Lord would open up this opportunity for him if that's what he has for him. So uh, let's uh, let's just take a quick moment here, and we'll go into some prayer, and uh, then we'll, go, we'll continue on with the study. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for all that you do for us. Father, we want to lift up these folks for you for salvation. Uh, anyone under the sound of my voice that's not saved, Lord, we pray for their salvation today. Lord, we want to pray for my friend David. Lord, I want to pray that you just grab a hold of him and you shake him around a little bit if you need to. And Lord, that you would draw him to yourself and that he would be saved. And Lord, I pray the same for my mom, my sister, my granddaughter, for my in-laws. I pray for their salvation as well. Uh, Lord, we want to pray for uh, Bernice. We want to pray for uh, the uh, cancer that she's fighting right now. Lord, we want to pray that the doctor's hands would be upon her and that, and that there would be some healing uh, brought to her. And we want to pray for her husband, Adam, as well, that you would give him that special grace that he needs to, to take care of his family uh, through this trial. Lord, we also want to lift up Charles to you. We want to pray for the job interview that he's going on this week. And Lord, if it's, a, if it's something that you have for him to do, Lord, we pray that you would open up that door for him. But if it's not, that you would make it abundantly clear that it's not for him. And, uh, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, also, um, one of the things uh, I mentioned this before, is that uh, I teach Sunday school uh, for our our, our uh, older teen group, and um, uh, got some good news and some bad news. One of my uh, one of my students, uh, Angel, will be getting married next week, so I'm going to be losing Angel as a student in my class. Uh, and uh, so I want to pray especially for Angel and for her fiance, soon to be husband Alex. Uh, really nice guy. Um, 
you know, and we're looking forward to seeing them get married and uh, that the Lord will do some great work in their life together. And uh, Lord, so we want to pray for them as well. And Lord, we just lift up Alex and Angel to you tonight and today. And Lord, we just pray that you would just do a special work in them as they come together as husband and wife next week. And Lord, during the course of this week, with all the struggles and the headaches and the frustrations and planning a wedding, Father God, we just pray that you would uh, you would just help them through that and, and give them what they need to to get the day accomplished. And Father God, we want to thank you so much for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, what we're going to do here is it's, we've already been over 15 minutes into the program. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. And while you're on that break, uh, why don't you go grab your Bible, grab a cup of coffee, a bottle of water, and get yourself a nice comfortable chair, sit down, and open up your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter 3. And when we come back, we'll get right into the study. Stay where you are. In my blessed Lord I see 
welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Brother Joe Russiello. And uh, if you've taken that short break that we took to go get your Bible, uh, let's open it up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we'll pick up in this, in this great chapter. Not a long chapter, so the study's not going to be too long tonight. Uh, tonight, today. And uh, I don't know why I keep saying tonight, but um, uh, we're going to get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Father God, we want to ask you to bless the study as we go forward. Lord, help me to teach the lesson tonight uh, with as few mistakes as possible. And Lord, we want to thank you so much again for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. See, Paul is so concerned about these Christians in Thessalonica. I mean, they're new Christians. They're babies in the faith. And he's so concerned for them that he said that, I'm going to stay at Athens alone, but my concern is going to compel me to send someone to check up on you and help you folks here in Thessalonica. So what he does is he sends his young ministerial protege, Timothy, and uh, Timothy goes to Thessalonica to help these people out. One of the key words that you're going to find in Thessalonians is the word establish. All right. Paul is definitely concerned about these people being established in what? Well, he's concerned about them being established in their faith. He's, he's concerned about their being established in their faith. Now, when you read First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, he's not really concerned, or at least he doesn't really say so, about their um, economic welfare or their social welfare or their emotional welfare. Uh, you know, what Paul is concerned about is their faith. And he knows that faith can grow or faith can be diminished. He knows that Satan attacks people's faith. And so what he's doing, he's doing all that he can, humanly speaking, to help these people get firmly planted and established in their faith. All right? That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we were we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. So one of Paul's great concerns was that these people in Thessalonica would hear about some of the persecutions and the tribulations that he and his comrades had encountered on the trail of preaching, and then that would discourage those folks in Thessalonica. And then that they would be like dissuaded. Uh, as a result of hearing about that. I mean, let's face it. I mean, really, I mean, people are thinking, you know, wow, you know, man, they're really going through some persecution. Uh, I guess maybe, you know, we're going to have to go through it also. I mean, but who, you know, who longs for persecution? You know, I don't think anybody really does. I know I don't. You know, I appreciate the fact that we still have some liberty here in America, but who knows for how long? I mean, it seems like our country is kind of collapsing all around us, doesn't it? It's not exploding. It's imploding. It's, you know, it's, it's falling in upon itself. And, and of course, that should, that should bring a burden of concern to us all. So what Paul is saying, uh, don't get too excited about any afflictions that we suffered up here in Athens. You just need to understand that sometimes suffering tribulation sometimes comes with a territory. I'm not that concerned about it. I just don't want you to falter in your faith when you hear about these things. That's what Paul is telling them. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, 
lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. So, what Paul, what's Paul doing to help these people out? Well, he's sending a man, isn't he? That's what he said. He's sending a man. I can't find any place in the Bible where God sends a committee. Can you? He sends a man. And that's what he does. Now, that's not to say that a committee is not helpful. I mean, they are. They, they have, and they have their appointed place, both in the scripture and in, and in church history. In fact, I can think of some occasions in the Bible uh, when help was very necessary, when it's centered around the primary person that God sent. And that thing goes all the way back to Moses. Do you remember that story? The Israelites were in a battle, right? And God said, Moses, as long as your hands are lifted up in the air, Israel will be winning the battle. When you get weary and tired and your hands drop, you're going to begin to lose the battle. And so then there were these two guys that, that got on each side of Moses and held up his arms. And do you remember who those guys were? Well, they were Aaron and Hur. Okay, not Ben-Hur, Hur. Uh, these guys held Moses' arms up so that Israel could win the battle. So clearly, clearly Moses needed some help. He needed some helpers. Paul had a lot of helpers throughout his ministry. Timothy was one of several examples of helpers. But God does put a premium on leadership. So he sent a man. He sent Timothy down here to encourage these people and help them. He was concerned... Paul was, he was concerned that the tempter, who clearly is the devil, right, have tempted you, he said, and that their faith would falter as a result of the temptation, excuse me, that the tempter introduced to them. And then he says, and our labor be in vain. <clears throat> excuse me. It's a little bit of water there. I mean, that's a sad thought when you think about it. You know, when you, when you work, and you labor and you toil to see something built and then it kind of just evaporates and then it goes away, you know, like the dust. You know, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of churches that at one time were veritable bastions of the faith, you know, ringing out the gospel week after week. And, and now they're, they're just, you know, virtually empty and they're quiet and that there's nothing going on. You know what? Someone way back there, some, some of them dating back to the 1800s, some even before that, really labored and really worked to make that thing a viable, energetic lighthouse of the gospel. Someone did it. Someone did it. You know, I remember when um, I was back in New York, um, you know, twice a week, our senior pastor and, uh, and I and one of our deacons, we would go to lunch. And it was kind of like a mini staff meeting, if you want to look at it that way. And we ate lunch and one day we drove to the other side of the island and he said, you know, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. You know, let's, let's see if we can get in and, and stroll around and tour the old Dutch church that was out there. So we did. So uh, uh, the old Dutch church that we were talking about opened its doors in 1654. It's a long time ago. 1654. Uh, and when we got there, there was a secretary there and we asked her if, you know, if we could just, you know, kind of look around a little bit. And she said that was fine. And I mean, really, it's a beautiful old church. It, it really is. I think it had a, a, a twelve to to fifteen hundred seat auditorium and was a beautiful building and beautiful grounds and uh, I'm sure you can find it online and look it up. Um, but uh, when you when you're walking around inside, they had this one section that was kind of cordoned off, and about two thirds of the auditorium was roped off, 
And in one of the hallways, you know, they had pictures and portraits of all the previous pastors of the church, you know, dating back to the 1650s. Well, the problem here was that this thing had just died a slow death. And I remember looking at those pictures, those pastors and thinking that they must be rolling over in their graves. You know, if, if they knew how dead this thing was now somewhere, somebody dropped the ball in keeping the people established in their faith. It's so critical. It is so critical. And that's one of the primary responsibilities of the ministry to get people established in their faith. So verse six, verse six, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us, so he sent Timothy down there to check up on them and to see what was going on. And then he returned. Uh, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. So here Paul's rejoicing. He's just absolutely rejoicing in the good news that these people are still established and growing and developing in their faith. Uh, he finds that really a matter of, 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 of great encouragement. It's great encouragement. Well, verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. So what is he saying here? He's saying that, that um, what he's saying is in the midst of whatever affliction we've endured, whatever persecution and difficulties we've been presented with, it's taken the hurt right out of us just by knowing that you're still with the program, that you're still doing what you should be doing and your faith is increasing. So any distress, any affliction has been overwrought and been trumped by the good news of your faith. That's what he's saying. So verse 8, he goes on and says, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Well, did Paul mean that if they didn't stand fast, he would die? Well, no, that's not what he's talking about at all. Paul isn't talking about living physically. He's talking about the purpose and the reward of living. Look back at Philippians chapter 1 really quick. Keep your, keep your finger here in, in first, first Thessalonians 3 and go back to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And this is just a parallel passage to what we read. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. For, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul says it's a win-win situation. If I die, I'm going to heaven to live as Christ and enjoy the rewards that Christ gives. So that's what he's talking about. For now we live. If ye stand fast in the Lord, we are really living. One of the great joys and thrills of pastoring is watching people grow. You know, evangelists don't get an opportunity to watch people grow. They're here and then they're gone. Preachers that, that uh, do what's called pulpit supply, all right? And that's, that's a lot of what I, I had done from time to time. Uh, pulpit supply, they don't get to see people grow. They're there and they're gone. Pastoring, though, pastoring, you watch people grow and you watch people develop. To me, second to seeing people get saved is the greatest thing in the world. You know, I used to teach a, a discipleship program in my, in my previous church, and what a blessing that was. It, it really was. You know, once a week we would meet and we would go through uh, these discipleship courses that I have, and I would give out homework assignments. We would have 
we would have quizzes and midterms and, and final exams and all that stuff. It was a 20 or 24 week program. And at the end of that, we had a graduation and we gave out certificates. Man, I'll tell you, it was a blessing and it was a blast to watch these folks learn and grow. It's probably the most satisfying thing in the world. It's distressing when you see people reject Jesus Christ, but really, I mean, it's so amazingly rewarding when they receive him. And I don't take it personally. I, I accept rejection fairly well, you know, and how do you do that? Well, you have to remember something that it's not you that they're rejecting. It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Lord Jesus. And we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. If all God is trying to tell you is that he loves you enough to forgive you and to save you and give you a place in heaven, how is it that some people can reject that message? But some do. But some do. Well, in like fashion and in like manner, Paul knew that Satan could enter into the atmosphere of those believers. And even though he can't steal their salvation from them, he can sure mess up their lives and in their faith. And Paul was greatly concerned about that. So he said, when you're doing good, as far as I'm concerned, that's living. And living great when I know that you're doing well. All right, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, if you already haven't been back that way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and let's go to verse number 9. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy... For your sakes, for your sakes, before our God. So Paul finds his element and source of rejoicing in the people he's ministering to. You know, the common procedure is for for is to apply that to preachers. You know, you apply that to pastors uh, and so forth. But but that's really a faulty assumption. Okay, every Christian, every Christian, can and should have a ministry with someone. Someone that you can get excited about, especially when they're growing in their faith. So let me ask you, do you have anybody? Do you have anybody that you're working on? Anybody that you're leaning on a little bit? Do you have anybody that you're specifically praying for? Do you have anybody that you as an individual that you can minister to? Now, a lot of churches have this, and I've seen this over the years, and I don't disregard it, but they'll assign new Christians, baby Christians, weak Christians to other people and tell them to, you know, shepherd them, you know, take care of them. If they're absent, you call them, you know, uh, they have this whole program lined out. And um, I'll be honest, you know, my objection to that is that you can program people to death. All right. It shouldn't be a program. It, it really should be a way of life. It should just become you know, just a part of who we are and what we do as believers. You know, I told you before, you know, uh, my former church, in, in keeping with good Baptist tradition, had a Tuesday night visitation program. People would show up and we would assign them cards and, and, uh, and they would go out and visit these people. And, and of course, you'd only get a small percentage that, of the church that would show up, but you know, you send them out and they'd go visit folks. And I'll, I'll be honest, you can, you, can, <laughs> you can almost see that most of them were only there as a sense of duty and obligation. Yeah, I, I guess I got to do this, you know. And you can almost imagine what's going through their mind as they're, you know, walking up to that door and they're 
squeezing their eyes shut and they're about to knock and I'm like, oh, I hope they're not home. I hope they're not home. You know, our senior pastor and I, I got talking about that one day and we both agreed that it really did yield very little fruit, very, very little fruit. So we said, you know, well, what's wrong with it? There has to be something wrong with it. How can we do this right? So what he did is, uh, is he preached a series of messages on loving people and caring for people, and shepherding people and winning people to Christ and, and so on. Um, he started preaching that, those series of messages with the point being that it should not be a program but a lifestyle. And then you know what we did? And then we, we bagged the visitation program. We just we stopped it. We stopped doing it. And then, of course, we had those, you know, f- you know, five people or so that were like, oh, no, the pastor's backslidden, <laughs> you know, hey, he'll go to purgatory, you know, pray for him or <laughs> something like that, you know. But um, but as we continue to emphasize that that this is your but uh, your personal responsibility, this is between you and the Holy Spirit, not between you and a program director. This needs to be motivated by and directed by the Holy Spirit. Can you find someone to adopt spiritually in your sphere of influence? And, you know, it took about six months, maybe a year, uh, before we started seeing a turnaround. But eventually we did. And a dramatic one. A dramatic one. All of a sudden, a lot of things started to happen that we hadn't seen before. It ceased to be a program, and it, it began to be a genuine, legitimate way of life. Who can I shepherd out there? That opportunity is out there for every single believer. You don't have to have a reverend in front of your name or a DD after it. You know, none of that's necessary. It's an opportunity for everyone, for every believer. So Paul is thanking these people for the joy that they had brought to his life. You know, when you shepherd somebody and and actually watch them develop and mature and become established in their faith, it'll bring great joy to you too. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So are you picking up on this? He keeps talking about their faith. This is like the third or fourth time. He's legitimately concerned about their faith. Get the faith established. Get it strong. Grow in faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith will get you through an awful lot of obstacles and speed bumps in life. So Paul's praying for them. And this is the same Paul that said, pray without ceasing, pray evermore, you know, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Um, You know, this might also comply with what some people have said to me, and I shouldn't find it humorous, you know, but I do. I'm twisted. You know, I know I am. But, you know, I've had folks come up to me and say, hey, would you pray real hard for? And then they would go on to whatever it is. You know, I'm not sure how you pray real hard, all right? Um, I mean, maybe you kind of close your eyes very tight and you clench your fists and you, you know, grunt a little bit. And I mean, has anybody ever said that to you? I've had more people say that to me than I can remember. You know, I, I'm not sure that praying real hard makes a difference, but praying exceedingly. So in other words, he just wouldn't give up on it. He just kept praying and praying and praying for these people and for their faith. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. 
So you know what's increased? Established faith. That's what increased. It makes folks love one another. Faith really does develop and increase love for the body of Christ, you know, for other folks and even for the lost. He said toward all men, even as we do toward you. Paul loved these people. He loved them greatly. He wanted that love that he had for them to be established in them that they might love others. To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Did you, did you notice what Paul does? He concludes every chapter in First Thessalonians with a comment about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's not a theme that it's not a theme that he's willing to forsake or give up. It's really not. Um, if you look over in, um, I mean, you've already seen it here in chapter three, where he talks about the coming of the Lord, right? Um, look over in uh, chapter one and verse 10. He says it there. Uh, he talks about the coming of the Lord in chapter two and verse 19. He talks about the coming of the Lord in chapter four, verse 15. He talks about the coming of the Lord in chapter five, verse 23. Every chapter is concluded with the comment that the Lord is coming back. The Lord's coming back. Amen? Amen. Now keep that in mind. All right? Uh, and keep this in mind, that this just isn't Paul's opinion. Okay? This just isn't Paul's opinion. This is Scripture. This is Scripture that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So evidently, God wants us to be continually reminded of this great truth. In chapter 4, and, and we'll get into that probably next week, in chapter 4, he goes into considerable detail. So he camps in every chapter on this theme, the Lord is coming back, and he continues it again in Second Thessalonians, Jesus is coming back. I mean, there's a great hymn. It's, it's, it's Jesus is coming soon. It's a great song. It's a great song. I love that song. You know, and I have to remember to ask our song leader if, if, we, can, if we can do that next week. Um, it's a great song. I love that song. And it reminds us that he's coming back. And if that's true, if that's really true, and it is, then we have a source of relief, comfort, and joy no matter what happens in our elections. Isn't that right? No matter what happens, we can still focus our attention on the fact that Jesus is coming soon. You know, a lot of preaching today has departed from that theme uh, because the intent of it is to make people so comfortable in this life that they, uh, that they forget about waiting for the Lord to come back. You know, God really isn't all that concerned about your present comfort. I mean, that might be a shock to you, especially if you listen to Joel Osteen, which I really hope that none of you listening does. <laughs> you know, God's not all that concerned about us being healthy and wealthy and, and all that stuff that people clamor for. You know what God's interested in? God's interested in your faith. Your faith. And that a great deal of your faith is predicated on the idea and the belief that Jesus is coming again. That's what God's interested in. So much so that he said, that one of the five crowns that's available to us as believers at the judgment seat of Christ is a crown for those who love his appearing. Those who love his appearing. I mean, won't that be a great thing? It's a grand thing, right? That's a wonderful thing. 
Both the Old Testament and the New Testament are filled with promises of the second coming of Christ. Did you know that there are uh, there's 1,845 references to it in the Old Testament and a total of 17 Old Testament books give it prominence? Of the 216 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming, or if you want to look at it another way, one out of 30 verses. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event. The four books that don't include three that are just single chapter letters uh, written to an individual person on a particular subject. All right. The fourth one is Galatians, which implies Christ is coming again. All right. For every prophecy on the first coming of Jesus Christ, there and there's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. For, but for every for, for every prophecy on the first coming, there are eight on the second coming. So the idea here is quite simple. God is eight times more interested in the second coming than he was in the first coming. Eight times more interested, if numbers mean anything at all. So I guess that leads us into the final and last and, and, and last question. And then we'll close. But what will you be doing when he returns? What will you be doing? Well, serving, I hope. Serving. You know, being, being found a faithful servant and a steward. So why don't you pray this week and ask God to show you somebody that you could help, that you can help along, get their faith established, and just encourage them any way that you possibly can. Get their faith established. It's the best thing in the world. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for the message you've given us. And Lord, we ask you to bless it. Uh, and all those under the hearing of my voice, Lord, we pray for those that are uh, struggling with their salvation. Lord, we pray that you would help establish them in their faith. Lord, we pray for those who uh, who are not saved, and maybe uh, today they'll come to the Lord Jesus Christ and get saved. I pray that you establish them in their faith. And Lord, help us to to uh, as believers, as as folks who have walked with the Lord for, for some time. And Lord, help us to be an encouragement to them and to nurture them along and to bring them along and carry them along and help them to establish their faith. Father God, we thank you so much for all you do. We thank you for the message. And Lord, we thank you for all of those that have been listening. And Lord, we just praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. You know, I really want to say thank you so much to everybody who's been listening. Uh, I've been looking at the numbers. Our numbers are improving every day. I look at them. We have more numbers, more people listening, which is a tremendous blessing, and I thank you for that. And again, if you are out there and listening and you would like to send us a message, you know, get to the website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com. In the uh, comment section there, you can send me a message there or email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. So until we uh, meet again next week, may God bless you, keep you, and have a good day. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with Brother Joe Rusiello. Feel free to email any questions or comments you may have to joe at ephesians 516.org. May God bless you and good day.